Thursday, February 16th. Position previews begin. It's getting real, guys. Who's fired up? I am beyond fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm burnt to a crisp. I'm already... Scott's uh, Scott's been in the studio all day doing video <laughs> updates on like, yeah. a thousand players. Al did that yesterday, right? Yep. So I'll be back in there tomorrow. Scott, you got to bring the energy today. I hope you didn't leave it all in the studio. My brain is fried. Oh, I think that's that's too bad. I think I burnt up in there. All what, the energy. Burned here's out what of we're me. talking about. We're talking about first baseman, and it's an interesting position. There are a lot of really good first basemen who are also eligible at say catcher or third base or outfield. We'll talk about how that affects you on draft day. So we'll go through the first baseman. We'll talk about a lot of players, give our thoughts on them. We'll talk about strategies. When do you draft first baseman? Should you get the elite ones early? Should you wait for the next tier? Should you wait even longer for the tier after that? We'll take some of your emails later. Fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. We're going to have a podcast league this year. It'll be a 12-team head-to-head points league, and we'll be asking for you to uh, submit for the podcast league later. So just keep that in mind. You don't need to submit about uh, email us about that now. Follow us on Twitter at CBS Scott White at Al Melk CBS A L M E L C CBS at Adam Azer A I Z E R at CBS Fantasy BB and Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball. Let's go to some quick news items before we get into first baseman. Ioannis Cespedes or Ioannis Cespedes, we're not quite sure what the pronunciation is just yet. He signs with the A's, which is great news for Emilio Bonifacio, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> everyday Emilio is what I'm going to call him. Oh, good. I like that. I think you just did. Yeah. Although apparently Ozzie Guillen said he would have been a starter in center field either way. It's easy to say that yeah, after right. the fact. <laughs> uh, it looks like the A's... I mean, they haven't come out and said anything themselves, but a lot of people think they plan on starting Suspedes right away as well. I don't know that that's necessarily the best idea. I think uh, he could use the time in the minors. I see him struggling particularly since he's probably going to be the free-swinging sort. Um, good upside there. I mean, power, speed, all of that. I just feel like if you if you reach for him because of the hype in the middle rounds, you're going to end up disappointed. Cespedes or Trout? I think I would take Trout, but I'm more confident Cespedes is going to get playing time in the beginning. So if that's important to you, I think Trout's beginning in the minors. Al? But I th- yeah, I think the Angels will make room for him. I mean, just the fact that they were willing to trade Bobby Abreu for A.J. Burnett. And, of course, uh, Burnett nicks that deal. They're looking for ways to get Trout in the lineup, and he'll be more productive on a per-game basis. The playing time will come for Trout. Carl Crawford will miss a few weeks of the regular season recovering from wrist surgery. Where is he going? Where should he go? Where is he going? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I can look the, it up for you. The early I'll, ones. I'll answer that one. Okay. But uh, where should he go at this point? He, to me, is in that uh, range, like like the end of what I would consider the outfielders I would want, which is about the 20 to 25 range. Uh, there, I mean, there's still a good chance he could have a bounce-back season, but wrist is always a concern for a hitter because obviously it plays an important part in hitting. Um, Middle of the seventh round in our which head-to-head is, and See, I think, I think that's late. That's head-to-head, that, That's too late for you, even knowing he's going to miss time at the beginning of the year? See, when did Desmond Jennings go as a comparison? I might actually prefer Desmond Jennings because I, I, I uh, think he has a chance to get 
better, and obviously he's going to be around in the beginning. I'm thinking fourth or fifth round for Jennings, and I'm just completely guessing here. But I, I agree with you, Scott, that Jennings should go before Crawford. And when I say Crawford's late, I'm thinking he's probably a round five guy. Jennings went third pick of round five in this okay. head-to-head I, league. I thought he went later than that. Um, we'll move on. Zach Britton could be limited at the beginning of spring training because of his troublesome shoulder. Got plenty of time to talk about that. So let's get into first base. I'm going to read the top 10, and we're going to obviously talk about a lot more than the top 10. But these are our Roto rankings, very similar to our head-to-head rankings. We'll give you the top 10 and their auction values. Miguel Cabrera, $42. Albert Pujols, $38. Joey Votto, $29. And Adrian Gonzalez, $29. They're your three and your four. Carlos Santana, $27. Prince Fielder, $24. Mark Teixeira, $22. Mike Napoli, $20. Michael Young, $18. Lance Berkman, $15. Cabrera, Pujols, Vado, Gonzalez, Carlos Santana. Fielder, Teixeira, Napoli, Michael Young, Lance Berkman. And what you should keep in mind, too, is that several of these players have a, a bump in their auction value because there's a, a factor that's uh, built in based on their position. So Santana, $27. That's not really by virtue of him being a first baseman. That's by virtue of him being a catcher and what yeah. his productivity looks like in that pool. And, you know, I just might as well read 11 through 20, and then we'll talk about these guys, uh, most of them a little bit later. But it's Canerco, Morse, Reynolds, Hosmer, Ryan Howard, Freddie Freeman, Ike Davis, Kadire Morneau, Kendrys Morales, who is actually going to move down in the rankings, which would at this point bump Gabby Sanchez up to number 20. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Miguel Cabrera situation. One thing that, that strikes me is that I looked at last year, standard Roto, standard head-to-head points league. Kemp, Ellsbury, Granderson, Braun were all better than Miguel Cabrera. And why then are we saying that Miguel Cabrera should be the number one overall pick, Scott. Well, I think part of the reason is because I think all those guys you listed off had career best seasons. I mean, Cabrera is so consistent from year to year that uh, you you expect him. He, he's going to be an easier bet to replicate last year than perhaps those other guys are. But the biggest reason is that now with Prince Fielder on board, he's going to be playing third base going to gain eligibility there that's a weaker position certainly than first base and I would say even than outfield and uh, that's enough to put somebody in Cabrera's class up to number one overall so if you draft him number one overall you really should do it to in the with the idea of him being a third baseman and you're going to have to wait for him to play five games so week one when you set your lineup and be your first baseman you might struggle a little bit at third so what's your strategy then? If you take him number one, you still need a first baseman. When do you take that second first baseman? Does it? Do you just kind of see what happens or what? Yeah, I mean, if you can, you know, still target. I mean, granted, okay, if you're taking Miguel Cabrera number one, then that means you're not probably not drafting again until number twenty-four. At which point, your options are probably, you know, somebody like Prince Fielder or Mark Teixeira. Actually, I think Fielder is Fielder's likely to be gone at that point. I think Teixeira, Teixeira might, might not be, be also. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I looked at some average draft position. Teixeira, third round. But in, in both of our mocks that we did recently, he went in the second round. Now, I don't see him right. last now, 24. Yeah, now here's the thing, because this sort of gives away a little bit of what we're going to talk about a little bit with tiers. Mm-hmm. The, the first big drop-off really comes right after that. Yeah. So gets back to what you said, Adam, that you really do have to kind of feel that out and see, because I think if Fielder or Teixeira is available at that point, you probably take them. 
But if they're not, then you probably sit a while till you get your first baseman. Okay, I think that's a that's a very good strategy. Just to get a couple things out of the way, when you look at positions, does anyone really give you steals when it comes to first baseman? Not really. I mean, I think like Mark Reynolds had like eleven last year, right? But for the most part, that's not really a big uh, a big part of this. You had Albert Pujols had nine, Kadir had eleven, Hosmer had eleven. Um, I don't know what Reynolds had. Oh, he only had six, excuse me. So, but, but it's really not a factor with this position. Yeah. And because of that, there's not much of a difference in the rankings between Roto and head-to-head. So we can get that out of the way early. Now let's talk strategy. Al, your overall strategy when you're drafting first baseman, are you a guy who likes to have an elite one? Do you want to wait? Which tier do you like the best? Go ahead. Just just get out. Just go ahead. You know, call go me enough. crazy, but I like the first tier the best because that's where you find the best first baseman. <laughs> well, there's which, some which indispensable tier do you like to target? advice. Which tier do you like to target? But, I mean, in, in all seriousness, now, I do like to, to get uh, a first baseman early. Uh, I like to get a, a big bat in the first round if I can. Um, I think that position scarcity isn't all that it used to be cracked up to be. That didn't come out exactly right. But so the, the point is, you know, if I can get certainly if I'm number one, I am taking Cabrera. If I'm in the top three or four, I'm probably looking at Pujol Servato. Um, so somewhere in the first round or, or first two rounds, I do want to come away with the first baseman. If not, yeah, I'm, I'm holding out and, and not happily either. Scott? As a general rule, I like to wait at first base because I still consider it a deep position. Um, I, ideally, in leagues, I've been waiting till maybe the fifth round or later to go after Eric Hosmer, who's a player. I like his upside a lot. But I've noticed this year that when I haven't been able to get Hosmer and I missed out on the early round guys, I've had to settle for really low-end stuff at the position. And, and that's dangerous to do because obviously every other team in the league is, is getting a lot of production from first base. I've had to settle for Justin Morneau in a couple leagues, which is very scary, obviously. I've settled for Ike Davis before, which, uh, you know, I like him a lot too, but still not the safety you uh, you hope to get at at a position that usually provides big numbers in fantasy. So, what I've noticed here with this position is that, yeah, at first glance it seems deep, but when you start circling all the guys who are eligible at other positions, mm-hmm. which they're obviously going to be weaker positions because first base is the strongest, you assume those guys are going to get started at the weaker positions, and really there's not a whole lot left. You have Cabrera going to be third base eventually, Carlos Santana's a catcher, Mike Napoli's a catcher, Michael Young, third base. Lance Berkman outfield, Michael Morse outfield, Mark Reynolds third base, Michael Kadire outfield. You take all those guys out, assuming people will draft them at those other positions, right. and it's just Pujols, Vado, Adrian Gonzalez, Fielder, Teixeira, Canerco, Eric Hosmer, and then you get to the, the scary level, the Ryan Howards, the Freddie Freemans, Ike Davis, Justin Morneau. It, count them up. It's not that good it yeah. to take those guys away. You yeah. count them up. Justin Morneau's number 11 there, pure first baseman. So in a 12-team league, somebody's starting Morneau. Somebody's starting worse than that. They, they might have to settle for a Gabby Sanchez or a Carlos Pena or something like that. And, and that's – you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I like waiting at first base, but I, I don't want to be that guy. Of those guys that you would potentially take late, I mean, who has the chance to be – Maybe we should wait until we talk about sleepers, breakouts, and busts. You know, we'll wait for that. But just trying to think of upside guys if you're going to take them late. Let me ask you this, Al. Let's say if you had a top three pick, right? Let's say you had mm-hmm. the third pick in the draft, and you okay. said you'd maybe you'd go with like a Vado or a Pujols. Not in that order. Pujols or Vado. 
if you knew you could get to Shara in the second round, would you take a different position then in the first round? I probably would, yeah, because at that point, if I can grab Troy Tulowitzki with a top three pick, I probably would do that. Again, that's that's a big if, but if, if that's the scenario, um, then clearly that's a worthy trade-off. And that's when the tears come into play. That's when you have to decide, uh, at what point is there such a big drop-off that I have to take a first baseman? So why don't you go ahead and unveil your tears? Okay, unveil the tears. Well, <laughs> there's sort of a, a, a mini tier, which is that, uh, and I've already really stated this, that Cabrera, Pools, and Votto to me are... Uh, Uber elite. They're not just elite. Um, there's there's quite a bit of separation just between Vada, who, by the way, for Roto is well. Actually, I take that back because actually he has the same Roto value as Adrian Gonzalez, but a little bit higher head-to-head value. But I consider those three guys in a class unto themselves. But then the elite continues with Adrian Gonzalez, Carlos Santana, although again not a pure first baseman, Prince Fielder, uh, Mark Teixeira, and then Napoli, and again is is a first baseman. He wouldn't really be an elite, but I consider him as an elite catcher, so he's somebody that you could consider. Yeah, I think in that so group, I'm sorry, value-wise. say your elite tier again. So basically I'm going down, yeah, uh, there's eight. Cabrera, Pujols, Vado, Adrian Gonzalez, Carlos Santana, Fielder, Teixeira, Napoli, and again, I put that with an asterisk because without the catcher eligibility, he doesn't even sniff that, that okay. list. Um, all right, and Scott. So you know what? What's your second tier? We'll do your tiers, and then we'll go with Scott. All right. So second tier, you got uh, Michael Young, and again, third. We've got quite a few multi-position eligible guys here that get them there. So in terms of pure first baseman, this is a really small tier. But we got Michael Young. We've got Lance Berkman, Paul Konerko, uh Michael Morse, Mark Reynolds, and Eric Hosmer. So out of that group, you have only two guys that are pure first baseman. But to me. They're the bridge between the elite and, as Scott aptly terms them, the scary guys. Yeah. They're, they're, it's a very small second tier. That's what makes it risky to me to, to wait. And you put Hosmer and Reynolds in the same tier? Yeah, and again, only because Reynolds is eligible at third. Okay. I think maybe does it benefit us since we can assume that most people are going to draft guys who are eligible at first base and another position to play that other position? Does it benefit Absol- us it is, yeah. to just take all those guys out of this I'll do that just for to keep it short. I, I mean, there is a chance somebody's going to start one of these guys at first base, but uh, I mean, obviously, it's a good point. Yeah. And do you want to keep going? Sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and I'll, I will restrict this to the the first base guys because this could get you know pretty lengthy. All right. So we, beyond that, we've got Ryan Howard. This is the third tier: Ryan Howard, Freddie Freeman, Ike Davis, Justin Morneau, uh, and Gabby Sanchez. That's it. Um, and so to me, that's, you know, there's maybe not quite scary, but risky. Then you get into the guys that you really just, you don't want in a standard format. Uh, but you may have to settle for them. Uh, Adam Lynn, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Carlos Pena, Mark Trumbo. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Scott, who's in your, your top three tiers? When I write my tiers columns, I like to give them these special names that kind of define yeah. where where the tiers rank within a position. First base a lot of times ends up with a higher tier than all the other positions, and I think this is one of those years. So this is my super elite, <laughs> Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols. They're, if I had a top three pick, I'd take those two. So to me, they're clearly above uh, the rest. Then Let me interrupt you. If you have a top three pick, so what if you have the second pick? I would probably go Pujols okay. over Jose Bautista. Okay. Um, 
so those two are the super elite. Then my elite tier kind of ends the same place Al's does, where I've got Joey Votto, Adrian Gonzalez, Prince Fielder, Mark Teixeira. Uh, you know, if you get one of those guys, it's still a stud first baseman. You can be thrilled with that. Uh, the next tier, um, you take out those non-pure first baseman guys. It's just Paul Canerco and Eric Hosmer. That's it. Those are the guys who, if you pass on those elite ones, you better hope to get one of those two, or you're looking at the scary options, which are Ryan Howard, Freddie Freeman, Ike Davis. I'd be okay with one of those as my first baseman. Okay. I mean, I, I could live with that. I've said I've taken Ike Davis before. By the way, is that the name of your tier, the scary options? No, not really. <laughs> um, that would be very nice. No, it's not. But there, there's enough upside with that group that I think you could live with them as your starting first baseman. Beyond that, you get to the Justin Morneaux and the Gabby Sanchez's, Brandon Belts, all of that group. There are some upside types in there, but they're they're not uh, they're 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 not showing the clear signs of a breakout that I'd want to see to uh, take them as my starter. Let's then get into um, auction strategy real quick. So we kind of talked about how you do it in a standard draft. Talk about how how you'd approach first baseman in an auction, Scott. Well, in an auction, I'm the type who is willing to overpay for players he really wants. And so, since I really want Eric Hosmer. I would probably be willing um, in a mixed league to go, let's see, he's projected to go for 13. I'd probably be willing to go as high as 20 on him just because I don't have to end up paying the 35 or $40 that I would for one of the elite options. But Yeah, it, but sometimes it, those elite the, options go for crazy amounts. Yeah, no, totally. It, are, are you not going to be the guy who pays 50 bucks for, for not, Cabrera? Not for a first baseman because I know I'll be happy with Eric Cosmer. Right. I, I would rather be the guy who spends the $45-plus on a Troy Tulowitzki because he's the only elite shortstop or, uh, or say, like an Evan Longoria because uh, there's so many risky third basemen after him. Uh, I would be more likely to do that than 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 at a position where I know um, I'm willing to settle for a lesser option. Yeah, you know, I probably would be someone who would go a few extra dollars for Miguel Cabrera because of the third base uh, eligibility yeah, that we expect. Right. But I would not probably go, I would not overpay for Pujols or Votto because while I said that there is some separation between what I call the uber elite and the regular elite, um, you know, I can sit and wait it out until there's maybe a couple of those elite guys on the board. And if it comes down to, to Sharon Fielder, you know, I'm willing to let some other people spend some of their budget on a first baseman and, and, you know, wait it out. And, um, you know, I, and I probably be pretty content to use, you know, more Sir Hosmer or, or Canerco as well. So I, I, I think there's not much difference, Scott, in terms of what you would do and what I would do, because I would definitely, if I were to go the extra dollar, it would be on a, a Jose Bautista, on a Miguel Cabrera or a Troy Tulowitzki, somebody yeah. like that. Just to say one thing, though, about the dual position eligibility, guys, it's like, yeah, you'd like to, you'd like to play them at other positions, but there is also an advantage to taking a guy who has multiple position eligibility, maybe not a catcher. Um, but but like a Michael Morse, you know, you never know who's going to get injured on your team. If you take him as an outfielder and your first baseman gets injured, you throw him in at first base, and they're you know outfielders are easier to find than catchers for the most part. Whereas you know if you take Napoli and your first baseman gets injured and you have to play Napoli at first base, you're not going to get the same type of guy on waivers as if you were moving a, an outfielder to first base. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay, it's a good point. So just consider that. I do like having guys who have dual position eligibility just because you never know 
when you're going to need that. It could come in handy. I want you guys to talk about some players. Just kind of give your thoughts. We've talked about Miguel Cabrera. We think he's a number one pick. So let's move to Albert Pujols. He had as many at-bats as Cabrera last year and was 50 points worse in a standard scoring points league. His slugging percentage has fallen two straight years. He's on a new team in a new league. So, Al, why is he still so good? Well, because he, I think we're going to see him close that gap with Cabrera a little bit this year in terms of overall production, taking the position thing out of it. Um, he did have a, a rough first half. Some of that was just hits on balls and play uh, effects. Um, he still has tremendous power. And I mean, a down season for Pujols was still a very, very good season. And, uh, you know, my only concern with him is his run production, I think might be down a little bit because I just don't think that the angels had the lineup that the, that the uh, Cardinals had. Um, but I think in terms of the, the numbers he's going to put up independent of the people around him in the lineup, those are probably going to be better this year. Scott, do you have any concerns that Joey Votto or Adrian Gonzalez could disappoint this year? No, not really. I, I think there's still some questions about Adrian Gonzalez's shoulder, particularly since his power kind of tailed off in the second half. But for the most part, he was fine. Ten and home runs after the All-Star break. Still, I mean, nearly 30 over a full season. I'll, I'll take that considering he's pretty much uh, looking like a 300 hitter in that lineup. Prince Fielder, now he's with Detroit. He goes uh, to a worse park, but he's got so much power. Maybe it won't affect him too much. He did it 38 home runs last year. Thoughts on Fielder, Al? I think you, you pretty much uh, corralled it. Uh, you know, he's going to a slightly worse park, but not significantly. So I don't expect a, a big change in his power numbers. He's got uh, outstanding uh, line of protection there. So I just, uh, you know, I think it's going to be pretty much more of the same for him, not, not much up or down. Yeah, he was the number two head-to-head first baseman last year and number four in Roto. So he had a really good year. The 38 home runs, 120 runs battered in. And I know, Scott, you wanted to talk a lot about Mark Teixeira. He was the number six head-to-head first baseman, number eight in Roto. It's that batting average that really stands out, just 248 last year, but he had 39 home runs, third most in baseball. I would be thrilled to get Mark Teixeira in the third round, which is where you say he's going on average right now. I haven't I've been hoping in these drafts to get him down later in the second round. He has yet to fall to me. Yeah. The reason I included him in that tier with the elite is because I honestly think he can be as good as the Prince Fielders, as the Adrian Gonzalez's. I think that batting average, well, I mean, he says it better than I do. Just listen to some of the things he said since the season ended. That right field porch is really, really appetizing at Yankee Stadium. I got a little too pull happy the last two years. I need to make an adjustment. And then later he talked about going and looking at video of himself. He said, I need to hit more singles left-handed. That's the fact of the matter. You look at his splits. They completely back up what he's saying. Last year, batting left-handed where he's trying to take advantage of that short right field porch hit 224 with 24 home runs. So good power, terrible batting average. Batting right-handed, 302 with 15 home runs. So that's the Teixeira we used to see. The Teixeira I think we can see again now that he's aware of the problem and is is, is gonna consciously... Bunt. <laughs> he says he's going to bunt. He, he has said that. <laughs> that's not really factoring into the <laughs> equation for me. But I think the batting average is going to go up, and the power, the walks, they're, they're all still there for him to be an elite guy. What do you think, Al? Oh, no, I uh, totally agree with that, and I think uh, he's probably going to be a little undervalued based on what he's done the last couple of years, but he's been able to uh, you know, hit for good power without sacrificing his average in his career. I think he can recapture that. 
Paul Canerco, number nine first baseman in both Roto and head-to-head last year in standard formats. 35 years old, but over 300, 300 or better with over 30 home runs and over 100 RBIs in each of his last two seasons out. Yeah, you know, the the stat that you mentioned is his age. That's the one that most people are probably going to focus on. But, you know, two years ago, we thought that he was a decline and he showed that he's still as skilled a player or skilled a hitter as he's ever been. So, you know, we can say that there's a little bit of an age-related risk there, but it's not showing up in his numbers. So especially given the thinness of those middle tiers, um, I would certainly be willing to uh, to take Canerco and draft or an auction uh, if I miss out on the big guys. Well, he's going in end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm a little concerned about going him for that early because he is old. And... He was dealing with some injuries in the second half, but he, like Adrian Gonzalez, his power numbers really tailed off. And, you know, I, I just I don't want to underestimate him because people who have done that have gotten burned the last two years, but I'd, I, I don't think I'd take him unless he fell to me in, like, the seventh round or, or oh. beyond. I'd be much more happy. doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So that's why I'm, I've usually been getting Eric Hosmer and just leaving Canerco to somebody else. So you'd rather have Hosmer around later? Oh, absolutely. I would rather, yeah. yeah. I would too. And I that's mean, what's happening average-wise. Yeah, and again, it's just a question of the trade-off that it's all things being equal, I probably would rather have Canerco this year. But if it means having to sacrifice a fourth or a fifth-round pick for him, I'll wait. How about this? Canerco in the fourth or Michael Morse in the seventh? Morse, no question. Yes. Michael Morris, he started out really cold last year, 224 with one home run in April. He finished 303 with 31 <laughs> home runs and 95 you, RBIs. You don't remember this roller coaster ride he took us on through I the do. podcast last year? I do. I, I, I didn't want to pull the plug on him. Great sleeper. Oh, no, he's terrible. Yeah. Cut him. And then <laughs> rest of the year, 300 with 30 home runs. Okay. Let me throw out some names at random at you guys. Ike Davis, Scott. I love him. He's one of my breakouts. He, he looked like he had pretty much broken out before the ankle injury last year. Um, so I'm hoping he's going to stay healthy this year. Then before I do that, why don't we actually do the sleepers, breakouts, and busts? And whoever oh. we don't cover then, okay, I'll, I'll try to throw out some names at you. Um, and then we'll have to go with some AL-only, NL-only players as well. Sleepers, Al? All right. I, I've got really one true sleeper, I think, and that's Freddie Freeman. I think he is probably the most underrated guy in that. Uh, third tier that we talked about, sort of the Ryan Howard, you know, Freddie Freeman, Ike Davis group there. Um, he's, I think we projected him a little bit conservatively because you don't want to project a huge batting increase for a guy who's you know still in the early stages of his career. But he struck out a lot more last year than he typically did in the minor leagues. Um, and I think there's room for his power to grow too. So I think he's a guy who has more breakout potential than any other first baseman this year. And well, But we're talking sleepers. He could be either. Okay. Uh, sleeper yeah. or a breakout guy. Uh, that's that's something I want to point out is that pretty much every breakout is is a sleeper for the most part. Uh, not every sleeper is a breakout necessarily, but yeah. a, a lot of the the, the terminology. I, I I don't want to get too hung up on it because typically I'm gonna I'm, my sleepers are gonna be more focused in the late rounds. Yeah, and sleepers are later round guys. Higher. Right? Yeah. Uh, Freeman, by the way, on average, going in the eleventh round. So would you rather have Freeman in the eleventh or? Canerico in the fourth. Ugh, that's that's tough because I still think there's some separation there. But you know what? I would rather have Freeman because fourth is just too early for Canerico. Is it is it more like 
you're not necessarily going to target Freeman in the 11th. But if your draft's going a certain way where you don't get the first baseman you want, you're loading up on the other positions, you're going to be okay taking Freeman in the 11th. Or that's the guy, if you do end up waiting, that you're going to, that you're going to look at. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I miss out on, on Morrison Hosmer and Canerco, um, you know, and I look, who, okay, who, could, who has the best shot of giving me that level of production? I think Freeman does. I think I need to go out of order here yeah. because with all this Freeman talk, He's a bust. I have him listed as one of my busts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and my you're reason, out of order. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my reason for it is he was so up and down last year. Um, hit under 220 or 225, I think, in both April and September, and had like a crazy July. And and just the fact that he struck out about 150 times. He's only 22 years old. I have a hard time believing he's going to be much more than the 280, 20 homer guy he was last year. I think it's more likely he takes a step back, at least at this stage of his career. You know, it's possible he's exactly the same, but I think if you're talking about an 11th round pick, what he did last year doesn't necessarily deserve 11th round status. He's he's a he's a viable first baseman in fantasy for sure, but I, I'm just not sure he's to the point of breaking out yet, and because I, I think so many people assume he is, that could potentially make him a bust. But if you look at him in the rankings, he's going to fall after guys like Canerco and Morris and Hosmer and Reynolds. So, you know, he could be drafted at the same time as a guy like Ike Davis or Ryan Howard. Yeah. Or I, Justin I, Morneau. Is he better than all those guys? Uh, with the exception of Morneau, I, I would feel I would feel safer with Ike Davis or even Ryan Howard waiting the month okay. for him to return from his injury. I think somebody uh, just to get in, into my that Freeman was your only sleeper, right? Right. So so just to get into some of my sleepers, I think a guy like Brandon Belt who showed flashes last year, but we didn't really see the best of him. I I I could see him having a better year than Freddie Freeman. Adam Lind, who who was great for four months, I think, uh, then he dealt with some. I think it was a back issue and, and really just collapsed down the stretch. I, I think it's, it's getting harder to say this for him, but I, I think there's still possibility he could have another good season in him. Lucas Dudo, we know I love him. He was the player I love. We'll, we'll talk about him mm-hmm. more in outfielders. Um, and then even Kendris Morales, who we're talking about moving down. You you can't trust that he's going to be ready to be to contribute right away after he's missed the last year and a half, two years almost. But knowing the player he was before that ankle surgery, that ankle injury two years ago, uh, getting him in the late round, I, I mean, go for it. it. It could pay huge dividends. What's the difference between him and Trumbo? How do we make sense of this situation here? Well, dude, you're talking about Duda, right? No, no, no. no I'm talking about Morales. No. Oh, Morales. Oh. Um. I, the difference to me is that Morales was a 330 homer guy. He was a, a stud, basically, in fantasy. And Trumbo, his batting average was lower than that. His strikeout rate was a good bit higher. Uh, he's pretty much a power-only guy when Morales is an all-around good hitter. And I think it, it would be easy. Um, it would be easy for Trumbo, knowing that if he's not hitting those 30 homers, he's pretty much useless in fantasy. To me, that that means that everything has to line up perfectly for him. And when you get 
into the Angels' crowded situation in the outfield with Bobby Abreu maybe playing DH, leaving Trump out of the lineup completely. Mike Trout's going to come up eventually. Kendris Morales is going to come back. It seems like at some point this season, Trumbo's going to get pushed out of the lineup. And, so you definitely uh, want it, Morales over Trumbo. I definitely do. Even, even though I don't think he's going to go before Trumbo on draft day. No, Trumbo's going in the 12th round. I don't exactly. That. that that to me is people just looking at those 29 home runs and thinking, shoot, this is one of the best power hitters well, in the game, and he's young, so he can get better. But Guess who my bust is? Mark Trumbo? Yeah. He's one of mine also. So <laughs> Absolutely. we're I in agreement there. Biggest, biggest bust on the list here. First breakout, Sal. Give me some breakouts. All right. Breakouts. All right. Well, these are, are more of the lower-end guys, actually. Um, and, again, Freeman would probably be my highest-end breakout guy as well as the sleeper. But um, a guy who has, I think, some breakout potential, the much-maligned James Loney, because he did some things last year that drew some attention, but it was more in terms of home run hitting very late in the season. Uh, but it was a really kind of a short span where he, he just went nuts with home runs. But if you look, you know, the longer, uh, about last four months trend last season, he really became much more of a line drive hitter, and he was a pretty decent one to start off with. So he's a guy I think, especially in head-to-head leagues, could really be a, a real monster with doubles, a uh, higher batting average. I still think he's a marginal guy at best in rotisserie, but I think he could be good enough to be at least a low-end guy in rotisserie. And head-to-head, I think he, he might be uh, – I don't think you need to reach for him with a middle-round pick, but I think that's the kind of value he could give you. Um, and then just real quickly, too, a couple of Mariners – Justin Smoke and Mike Carp will have first base eligibility. What gives you the right to like Justin Smoke all of a sudden? This is my <laughs> guy. You always hated him. Uh, now he has the worst season ever. You know, it's a seesaw because I thought yeah. he was overrated last year and then he stunk and, you know, but now I think he's underrated. Um, and I wouldn't even go to say that I love him. I just think he's got some breakout potential. I think, um, you know, whereas Loney started to show that he could make good on his uh, gap hitting potential, you know, I think that's a step that's smoke could take this year so that's but why are these <coughs> al only nl only kind of guys carp definitely smoke well, actually i'd say both of them yeah probably not going to get drafted in standard mixed leagues so any more breakouts or i'm done and breakouts scott breakouts for me i talked about one ike davis um i felt like he was already there last year uh, reports are good him coming off rehabilitating that ankle and they're moving in the fences at city field yeah so, uh, that only figures to make him better um another one is eric hosmer who i've mentioned a thousand times i think those are my only two breakouts move on to the busts <laughs> now mark trumbo mark trumbo and mark trumbo <laughs> okay. uh, he was really the one guy on this list that that really uh, stuck out to me. And I mean, we can talk about guys like Morales, who's not really being drafted very high, or Ryan Howard. But I, th- I just think expectations are too low to really call those guys busts. There's a lot of uh, you know uncertainty as you get into the middle and lower tiers. But uh, Trumbo is a guy to me who's just so vastly overrated this year. And I, don't, I guess pe- pe- people love the long ball, right? We dig, they do. Dig, dig the long ball, but that's all and he's going to give you. He's young and he hits home runs, and that's good enough for most people. But he, not good enough for me. Bus for you? Bus for me, Trumbo Freeman. We already talked about them. I will add Ryan Howard to my list, even though I I, I would feel safer with him than Freeman. I called Freeman a bust also, so I can get away with doing that. Um, Just we know he's probably going to miss a month coming back from ankle surgery. Just knowing how much trouble Kendris Morales has had coming back from his own ankle surgery, granted it was a much worse injury, I, I, I could see that timetable 
getting longer and longer. And, and with Howard, we're already talking about a guy clearly on the decline, not even a 35-homer guy anymore in a full season. Batting average is going to weigh you down. I think there's the potential for him to be overdrafted, even as a middle rounder. Is there any chance, on a separate note, that Justin Morneau could end up being the steal of the draft? No expectations for him, and all of a sudden he becomes Justin Morneau again. I think he's worth drafting if everybody is scared of him and he falls to you late because I, I actually did have him marked as a sleeper. Late, um, 15, 16? Uh, I would say 16th round and beyond. Okay. If he falls to you at that point, you, you might as well take a shot on him. I'm not particularly optimistic because last year it was just so terrible and and players coming back from concussions this wouldn't be the first time that happened but you consider everything else he was dealing with he had back surgery and and i don't even remember all the surgeries it was like four surgeries wrists something else oh, he was just like Peyton manning <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was Except on different parts yeah. he wasn't even 10 percent of the way there so if, if with an off season of rest it could make enough of a difference that he ends up being uh, surprising a lot of people. And at that point, he could be just your utility guy or your corner infielder or whatever. Uh, let's talk AL-only, NL-only guys. Just just give us some names, people that we need to keep in mind here. And what do you think? I'll, I'll go ahead with one that I, I miss saying in my sleepers one. Aubrey Huff. I, I think there's, there's still something to salvage for him. He's been such an up-and-down player that I'm not going to write him off just because he had a bad year. He was a top-10 Outfielder. I'm not sure where he ranked among first basemen, but a top 10 outfielder two years ago. So uh, he, he's dedicated himself to getting back in shape. The, the Giants felt like he wasn't in shape last season. He said he stopped doing Pilates in the offseason because he was worn out. Uh, I, I think there's a, a chance for him to bounce back, and you can get him for next to nothing. Al? All right. Uh, AL only. Actually, I already gave you a couple of my guys, uh, Smoke and, and Carp. I really like Carp a lot. I think Carp actually has Michael Morse kind of potential. Good, good home run power, uh, potential to hit for batting average, too. You know, has the, the misfortune of playing on the Mariners and playing in a, in a bad park to hit. But I, I still like him a lot as, uh, you know, a, a breakout guy in AL only. Uh, and only, um, you mentioned Brandon Bell. Also, don't sleep on Anthony Rizzo. Uh, because they're just going to keep him in AAA till they feel like he's ready. Uh, Lahair's just the placeholder there. So uh, not that I dislike Lahair, by the yeah. way. No, I, 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 and I don't either. But you yeah, know. I mean, he's this year's Kila Kaihui. It could be a complete disaster, but mm-hmm. for for a very low price, why not take a chance on him? His minor league numbers are insane. Last one, Adam Dunn. Any chance for a resurrection? I'd put him kind of in that more no category, but to a lesser extent. I, I would see myself drafting more no before I draft done. Okay. Uh, then, email time. Fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com is our email address. We'll get few, through uh, a few here. I know we've answered this question a lot, but I know we have a new audience as well as, as we get closer and closer to the start of spring training in the season. More and more listeners, so welcome aboard. Mark in Houston, what do you think of Ryan Braun's value in a keeper league? It looks like he's going outside the first two or three rounds in mock drafts. Seems like a steal for next year if you grab him in one of these rounds and keep him, Al. Keeper league, I could see reaching in the third round, not any earlier, and I'd probably still be reluctant to do so. I wouldn't blame anybody for doing it, though, but round three at the earliest. 
Why no love for Drew Stubbs? I don't have the name of the emailer here, so I apologize, but it's a good email. Why no love for Drew Stubbs? Last preseason, he was tipped as this year's cargo. Was that by us? Not by me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and although he didn't reach those heights, he had a pretty good season. 92 runs, 15 home runs, only three outfielders stole more bags. Yet he's the 50th outfielder in your head-to-head rankings. Um, I need five keepers to go along with Tulo, and he is one of my possible keepers in a 16-team head-to-head league. Stubbs, Hudson, Garza, Wainwright, Ethier, Lomo, Kadire. He needs five. First of all, I actually saved this email because we talked about Stubbs a couple of shows ago. Um, So this is Gavin. Okay, Gavin. Yeah, and um, I just addressed the the no love for Drew Stubbs because we we talked about this is when we're talking about head-to-head versus Roto. And he's one of those guys who just is better suited to Roto because he gives you the nice blend of home runs and stolen bases, but not not a good, yeah. Even more so for me, he struck out more than anybody in the majors last year. First time in four years, somebody other than Mark Reynolds led the majors in strikeouts. (laughs) And that is going to kill you in head-to-head. Yeah, Yeah, it it will. Exactly. Uh, so that's why he's so far down in the head-to-head rank. Power, speed, that makes him a number three outfielder in uh, in Roto. But in head-to-head, to me, he's just a late rounder. Dan in New Jersey, welcome back. A couple questions. Can you rank these players in terms of a standard head-to-head league? Michael Morse, Eric Hosmer, Desmond Jennings. Standard head-to-head. Uh, I, I would go Hosmer... Mm, Morrison Jennings is close for me. I'd say Morse over Jennings. I'm going the same way. And part two, who do you draft, Eric Jeter or D. Gordon? Uh, okay, and this is head-to-head because it makes it makes some yes. difference. I think head-to-head I actually would go Jeter. Where do I go Gordon? I agree. Uh, the biggest thing for Gordon, obviously there's the steals, but he's a steals guy who doesn't walk, and that is a combination much better suited for Roto. Jeter's going to win the MVP this year. Mark in Miamisburg, <laughs> Ohio. Keeper question, 12-team head-to-head points league, keep three. We get to keep three players this year, two next year, then one, then we redraft. Who should I keep from the following, or should I keep any of them? Alex Avila, Hanley Ramirez, Ricky Weeks, Matt Holliday, Nelson Cruz. Avila and Hanley for sure, and I, I think I like Weeks a lot more than most people do. And I would take him over Holiday Cruz. I, I rule out. It really comes down to Holiday and Weeks, and uh, I, I would take yeah. Holiday over Weeks, um, because Weeks is one of those high strikeout guys that I don't really like, and Holiday's pretty much always hits over three hundred with twenty plus homers. Last email from Patrick, sixteen team mixed league head to head. League has been together since the 1990s, the early 1990s. I lose an argument every so many years, and the argument is this. Why do we have two catchers? Two catchers, 16 teams. Sheesh, it's brutal. But I can't seem to get through to these guys that this is a bad idea. <laughs> Help me form this argument, please. Well, I think it's. I mean, I think he's got you know at least part of the argument here. I mean, it is brutal, and it's just you get to a point where you know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, and it just almost seems like a pointless exercise. That you know this is a 16 team league, so pretty much once you've exhausted your number one catchers, there's not a lot to distinguish number uh, 17 I mean, from number what, 25. What you is know? wrong with these people? Why are you friends with these people? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It would really skew the draft results. The high-end catchers would go for a lot more. If you're a guy who gets 
Carlos Santana and Mike Napoli when other people in the league are having to settle for Jason Castro. <laughs> That's a big advantage you're getting at that position. So I, I think that would it, it inflates the value of those guys, and, and that doesn't seem yeah, well, it's stupid. reasonable. It's stupid, and your friends are stupid. I don't like them. <laughs> so, no, I mean, they're fine. But, <laughs> you know, it's a dumb league. It's just... You don't like dumb rules, dude. Well, come on. No, every I'm... every catcher, every starting catcher, it's, it's absurd. There, it makes a little more sense in Roto, where obviously it's the norm because you're also starting a middle infielder and a corner infielder, yeah. so every position is stretched thin. Well, and actually, there's two backup catchers even that get rostered. So, you know, who are your your super subs? Yeah, thirty, 30 <laughs> teams, thirty two. Wait, thirty two yeah. catcher spots, thirty starting catchers in the majors. It's nutty. Oh, yeah, it's even dumber than I thought. I don't know why I was operating under a 32-team assumption. I get it. Still in football mode. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I should be in basketball mode or baseball mode working on the 32. Even if it were a 15-team league with two catchers, I think your friends would be done. All right, we're done. Thanks, everybody. Second baseman next week, and then we'll keep on going with the position previews. Talk to you later.